Well, hello, sports fans. It's After the Buzzer podcast. I am Ian Busby. We're through two weeks of the CFL season, and what have we learned so far? Well, we have uh, some concerns in Edmonton and Calgary. Uh, we've got a good start in Winnipeg and Regina, and uh, everywhere else is um, looking kind of interesting. The CFL season is going to be a short one. Um, I'm already thinking and talking about what the playoffs are going to look like, and we're only through week two. That's what happens with a 14-game schedule. You can't lose too many games in a row to start the year and be happy with yourselves. So the 0-2 Calgary Stampeders, weird to say, 0-2 Edmonton Elks, um, they're also in a bit of a crunch time situation. I'm going to get into it with Danny here about uh, what happened in week two, and we're going to look forward to week three and a big matchup uh, coming up, uh, Montreal versus Calgary. Uh, I'm very interested for that game. Uh, it's going to be exciting. So here's Danny and I breaking down what's going on in the CFL right now. All right. We're back with Danny here. The fun thing about the uh, CFL is it's back. Uh, the not so fun thing is uh, scoring is down, offense is down, and defense is kind of ruling the game here. Um, what is your take after a couple of weeks? Are, are we kind of through preseason now? Now that we're yeah. two weeks into the NFL season? Yeah, let's be real. This is uh, – we asked Dave Dickinson specifically about this, and he was like, nah, man, these games count just the same. And <laughs> they count, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so – so, yeah, but I, I, I do think all of us know. I mean, it was going to take a couple of weeks to, to really get going. And uh, after week one, I sort of said, okay, well, the football's probably better than I, I thought it was going to be. But as I said, I had incredibly low expectations for the football. Um, man, like these week two games, I, I think we're seeing some trends emerge pretty quickly. I just don't know how much stock to put in them. But, um, you know, the offense is being bad is sort of the main, the main thing. Uh, I, I think I tweeted this out, and I, I can just hop into it right away here. But, like, you know, I just did the calculations, added up all the points, and, like, through two weeks, we're seeing an average of 682 offensive yards per game. That's for both teams. And, you know, in 2019, we saw 769 yards of combined offense through two weeks. So that's down 87 yards per game. That's significant. And then with scoring, we're seeing an average of 18.12 points per game. That's per team. And then – you know, through two weeks in 2019, they were averaging 31.28. So we're down almost, what are we are down? More than 13 points per game. So yeah, offense, <clears throat> offenses are struggling right now, which is not particularly surprising because I do think they take a little longer to click, but it's not necessarily, you know, what the CFL wants. I'll say that. No. Uh, in, in week two, uh, there was only one team that got over 20 points. Uh, well, Winnipeg scored exactly 20. Um, and the, uh, the Calgary Stampeders bought BC Lions. We expected that to be a bit more of an offensive showdown, uh, like an entire total of 24 points in that game. Uh, a lot of mistakes, though, and I think that's the thing that we would note. Uh, what, what do you make of the way that the Calgary Stampeders offense is going right now? Is it You can't all put it on Bo Levi Mitchell, but he's not playing very well right now. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure you were looking up how many four interception games he had, zero, obviously. Uh, he's had some three interception games previously. That was his 20th loss of his regular season career, which is still remarkably low. 
but are, are you concerned with the 0-2 start that the Stamps have had now? And they're, they're looking at a real tough part of their schedule coming up. So they got to get it together, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, it's hilarious that you're kind of looking at Labor Day and being like, okay, well, at least they can win Labor Day. But, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. So I think that, I mean, in terms of the teams, like the Alouettes and the Riders both got 30 this weekend, right? So, right. Um, yeah. So it, but I think that the two, no, I mean, I guess you ought to put the Riders, but there are three teams that I think have looked convincing through two weeks. Um, and that's Saskatchewan, but more importantly, like Montreal looked great. And the Bombers, have their defense is just suffocating teams right now. So uh, the fact that the Stamps are now looking at Montreal coming up this Friday and then, you know, Winnipeg in Winnipeg the next week. I mean, an, an 0-4 start, if they're playing the way that they are right now, is not inconceivable. So I think you have to be worried because, I mean, God, if you go 0-4 in a 14-game season, you begin to right. like the best you're going to do is 500, um, realistically. And, like, that involves turning it around pretty big. But as far as the offense goes, look, I think that historically, when other things have been wrong with the offense, you've always been able to rely on Bo Levi Mitchell. And right now, look, the fact that he's not at his best doesn't mean he's done. I am not saying that, but we got to hold him, you know, we got we to be honest about what we're saying here. And look, those four interceptions, two of them were balls you threw up and you, you hope the receiver can come down with them, but the DB makes a great play. So... If you want to say those aren't on him, fine. But I still, I don't think he's done with responsibility. The other two were just, in my opinion, bad throws. Um, and at this point, yeah, like, look, if, if Bo Levi Mitchell isn't the best or the second best quarterback in the league, the, the Stan Peters team, he's he's the veteran, right? <laughs> like, they went with all these new guys. <laughs> he's using it all together right now, right? Yeah. Him, him and Jamar Wall were sort of like the stable, we know what they are guys. And, and, and they're not doing it. That said... Bo was under constant pressure from, from this Lions. This Lions defense is better than I, I think I knew. Um, part, of that is, part of that is you just never know, and part of that is I didn't have to pay all that close attention to the, to the Lions in 2019, and then I, you know, I knew that they did some really nice work on their O-line and stuff like that. But I, I, I do think as much as we need to talk about what's wrong with Bo and you're a two-time most outstanding player. You've won a two great cups. We are ultimately like the criticism is going to come on you when you don't play well, uh, cause that's what you demand. But um, the rest of the Stampeders offense wasn't great either. And I, I really don't understand. Um, no, I, it's not that I don't understand. They were down, but you got to get this run game going. Kadeem Carey and Ante Milanovic, were actually running pretty well. I thought they were pretty effective at moving the ball. You got to get, get the run game going. Um, because if Bo's not throwing the ball as well as you should be, it's the only way you're going to win games. Well, and it's hard to get the run game going if you're not respecting the passing game and you're you're going to try to force them into some big passing yardage. And now if it's if teams are going to look at this and go, well, we can we can pick them off. Uh, we'll we'll just jump on balls. So they're going to have to be more efficient. And the, the one thing about Bo, he's had so much success throughout the start of his career, and then. Every like felt like they're in the Grey Cup every year. You would always go to Grey Cup because you're covering the Stampeders. They don't know, necessarily know how to deal with adversity that well. And this is some early season adversity that they really haven't had, um, that they haven't dealt with that much. And if they if they they get to the adversity at the end of the year and they lose their playoff game and they're out, and then they have you know six months to stew on it. Now they have to like figure it out. 
in the span of uh, a week here because they've got now a Montreal team coming in that they're going to be, you know, guns a blazing after that win over the Elks. So uh, they got to turn it around real quick. Uh, they haven't had practice all weekend. So are you expecting that there's going to be a quite an onus on practice this week to get that offense clicking and see if they can uh, do you expect any changes? I think is the big question. I don't know what changes you can make on the offense right now. I mean, you can, you can shuffle around the O-line a little bit, um, but their receivers are their receivers. This is what <clears throat> we said in our season preview. Let's be honest here. Like the Stampeders, I think, I don't think gambling is the right word, but they came in and they sort of said, look, we got a starter at every position and we got to keep those starters healthy and coach up our young guys. And they, they do have some really sort of good dynamic young players, but those guys, I, I don't think they're ready after, what you were referring to basically as being preseason. I mean, like those guys, so those guys need time. So it's interesting. Like I, I think there's a lot of talent on this Stampeders team. Um, it was the thing that was brought up again and again. Was there a Markway McDaniel? Was there an Eric Rogers? Was there that guy when Bo's under pressure, he knows is just going to be there. And I don't know that Kamar Jordan is is that guy. I mean, he's he's probably the one you'd argue. I think Josh Hoffs had a had a strong start. Um, you know, Derek Taylor noted that Josh Hoff was the target for three of the interceptions. Um, I don't think those were Josh Hoff's. Like Josh Hoff can't catch a ball that's four feet above his head, right? So, right. Um, so there's that. And then I look. I, I think the adjustments are going to be small. I just know, man, this Montreal team. I've covered this team since 2016. Even when Montreal's bad, for some reason, the Alouettes just like playing the Stampeders. They walk in cocky. They got a little bit of swagger. There was a fight before last game. Like, these teams don't historically like each other. And that just, to me, like, the Stamps better be ready for a, a dogfight this weekend. And I don't I don't know how you prepare for that. But no, I, 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 like, ultimately think, like, I still believe the Stampeders team figures it out. I just don't know like how quickly that ha can happen or has to happen. And even if they play better, they've got to play a lot better to beat Montreal and Winnipeg. Right. Well, and so Montreal coming in this week, they were off in week one, which kind of, they were a little bit forgotten. And then they come in and uh, they just whipped Edmonton uh, last night. So uh, looking at the numbers, Vernon, Vernon Adams didn't have a great statistical game, but a couple of touchdown passes, uh, their running game was clicking with William Stanback, and uh, they get a they get a special teams touchdown, which always helps. And their defense was, again, was their defense great, or as you alluded to, is Trevor Harris uh, not so great right now? Um, he he had like he put up at pretty okay numbers, no interceptions, but again, they don't come away with the victory. So, um, what do you what do you make of the way that the that game went down. Is it Montreal's you, I think you think that Montreal is really good and they were super underrated going into the season. So uh, we're going to see um, kind of what, what they're made of coming up this week, but uh, give me your take on uh, that game. I mean, first of all, I do think like Montreal was weirdly just left out a lot of a lot of the conversations. I mean, Montreal was a very good football team, particularly in the back half of, of, 2019 like you know once Ryan Adams Jr. took over and as I said they have a swagger they have a style they play together I, I I really do think that like I mean at this point 
they've only played one game, but this is sort of the point of this podcast is we ask these questions. But with how Hamilton's playing, which is terrible, <clears throat> which is yeah. awful, terrible, <laughs> awful, whatever you want to call it, um, Montreal sort of looks to me like a team that they should be winning the East. I, it's been one game, and you know you can eat my I'll eat my words if I'm, I'm wrong about that. But look. When it comes to Montreal, they have a good quarterback. They've got good receivers. They've got a decent defense. They just—I don't really see any huge holes in that team. And William Standback is a star. Um, he's just absolutely should be talked about as one of the best running backs, if not the best running back in this league. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about this Montreal team. The only thing is that I also think I, I never understood and. I'm done calling out media people for their bad takes, but there were a lot of people picking win or Edmonton to win the West this year. And I just don't see it. And as I've said before, I mean, Trevor Harris made a great cup in 2018, but that's really all he's, all he's done. And that was not a particularly hard East to get out of. Right. Um, yeah, so, he, was, he was shotgun with the red blacks when uh, Henry Burris was the, uh, the main guy there and he's he's kind of bounced around and he's been just good enough to be a starter but not like i don't think yeah. he wins you i don't think he wins you big games and i'm so. not saying he's a bad quarterback like i, I genuinely no. don't think he's a bad quarterback and he's he's fine if you're a starter i just don't know if he's fine if you're a starter that's gonna win the great cup out of the west although the east is looking pretty good right now and i just think that there's always traditionally there there's sort of been a an attitude, and this changed a bit in 2018, I would say, but it was always sort of Riley and Bo were one and one A or one and one B. And then you had that second tier. And my question was whether Trevor Harris actually belonged in that second tier. Um, or if he was kind of the third tier, the, the seven to nine guys in the CFL who just right. happened to play for a decent Ottawa team. And that's where I slot him. Um, but man, it, Right now, as bad as Calgary might look, like Calgary is making mistakes. Edmonton just doesn't look like they have it. <laughs> that's a that's a, a good way to put it, right? Because there there's nothing that really jumps out in that game except for well, okay, you you don't tackle a guy on a uh, punt, uh, return touchdown, but that they just got kind of manhandled by that uh, by that Montreal team. Uh, going over to Saskatchewan, they're two and zero. So they are st sitting atop the West Division standings. It's pretty early to talk about standings, but when I look at it, though, uh, the East Division hasn't played an interdivisional game yet, and the East has three wins against the West already. I didn't think that was going to happen all year, so I'm wrong. <laughs> I generally come from the the thought that the West is always stronger than the East, uh, but Saskatchewan, Winnipeg being 2-0, uh, and Saskatchewan really had... Uh, not much of a, a fight last night against uh, the Tiger Cats. Uh, is it a case that the Tiger Cats are that bad? Dane Evans came in for in relief of Jeremiah Mazzoli and was three of ten for twenty-one yards. So if they're hoping that a quarterback switch might uh, solve their problems, that's not going to happen. Uh, well, Saskatchewan looking very efficient going uh, two and zero so far. There's only so much any quarterback can do when they're getting sacked six times in a game, right? I mean, like, the the offensive line is sort of seems to be part of the problem there in Saskatchewan. I mean, I... In Saskatchewan or Hamilton? Sorry, and, like, the, sorry, the Riders had, had six sacks, so the other way around. Sorry about that. But, um, yeah, I mean, 
I am shocked. I will be straight up. I could not have had it more wrong. I, I would have thought that the Ticats maybe would have been one-on-one because they had the Riders and the Bombers in the first two games. But I thought they were coming in, and they were my Grey Cup favorites. You know that. And none, nothing about them makes me think that they're actually going to be able to like win a big playoff game so far. Again, week two, no preseason. Understand right. that. But, uh, no, I the conclusion that I had from this game, much more so than the win over the Lions, uh, is that Saskatchewan's good. Like, Saskatchewan's a well-built, well-rounded football team. Uh, they've got a, a very strong defense. I'm really looking forward to those Bombers-Riders games in a couple weeks. Um, but this being the West, I mean, my caveat would be there comes a point where the Riders and Stamps play three times in four weeks, right? And the way yeah. that this rivalry always seems to work is that one team wins all of those. You know what I mean? Like, they're the, either the Riders or the Stamps are just ready to – step on the other team's throat and, and, and put them out. So, um, like, I I watched parts of this game. Uh, it was a Saturday night. I was, was like, didn't watch the whole thing once I kind of realized what was going on. Or, no, it was just Friday. No, this is Saturday. This is last night. Um, and, look, I mean, 30 to 8 tells the whole story. <laughs> it just it basically – uh, and I, I was cursively watching this uh, while having a few drinks and I was like, oh, yeah, that, that's not good. And then every time I seemed to look up, the Saskatchewan defense was celebrating another sack. So it felt like they were just under siege the entire game. So uh, bigger. Did you think did you think that pulling Mazzoli out? Look, you were down that much. You weren't coming back. Um, I, I think you got to I think you got to test the water and just see if you can um change things up and see if you can get some positive momentum going i think they have to come back with mazzoli though um yeah he's not the number one reason that they're they're owing to but now they need to get it together well uh, and it's funny the two teams they don't, have, they don't have a game this week so they're they're on a bye they got a chance to figure it out uh that's the thing with all these east teams not having home games for the first month of the season it's uh a little difficult um, yeah. And then they go into Montreal in two weeks. So that's uh, you got to get uh, geared up and and get your stuff together for that. Well, uh, if, you have, if, you have any, if you have any shot of winning or of being first, you can't be going zero and three in the East, and especially like losing to your direct rival, who's most likely to be there at the top. I will say, like the only reason why I wouldn't have made that change if I was in sort of a Winnipeg or a Saskatchewan is is probably that there's a. You're inviting a lot of media chatter about a quarterback controversy, which is never good for any team. The thing is, the two teams that did that this week were Hamilton and Toronto, and there's just not going to be much media chatter <laughs> out of those two markets. So who cares? Just do it. Well, Hamilton traditionally gets covered a little bit better than uh, – Oh, than Steve Milton does a terrific job. But, like, there's just not – there's not a lot yeah. of media. There's not a lot of call-in show chatter nationwide. Uh, mm -hmm. You're not – and – you're looking at the way I looked at it was Hamilton and Calgary were my great cup pick. Uh, that's who I thought was going to be in the great cup in Hamilton, by the way. And uh, it was going to be uh, like tough for those teams to start out with. Um, they had, you know, Toronto was the first week for the Calgary Stampeders. That's a rebuilt Toronto team. You weren't really sure what you were getting. And then uh, Hamilton going on the road to Winnipeg and then on the road to Saskatchewan. Those are tough games. But uh, I expected them to look better in their losses, I think, is the way I thought. Calgary looked pretty, you know, pretty decent in their first loss to Toronto, and they had made some mistakes that could have 
um, you know, eliminated those and, and won that game. But on uh, Thursday night, they just, you know, made so many mistakes. You're not going to win that um, with four interceptions, four bad turnovers. Uh, but uh, the way that the schedule shapes up coming up this week, um, what do you, what do you, which game are you most interested? Edmonton, BC, Edmonton's got to win. BC's going home for the first time. Montreal, Calgary, uh, that's obvious. We we know that the onus is there. Winnipeg goes to Toronto for Toronto's home opener. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. And then Ottawa coming off their bye and their big win in Edmonton goes into Saskatchewan. So um, last game of the week, I think we know what's going to happen. I think Saskatchewan's going to be pretty solid in that one. And a 3-0 and start for Saskatchewan would – is, is going to give them such a leg up and going forward. Well, and that's the thing. I kind of went in coming out of week one with Ottawa. I was like, maybe their, their, their defense is just better. And then they actually like shrank in my estimation because I saw what, <laughs> how bad Edmonton actually is. And I'm like, all right, maybe not. So look, this is not, they're interesting games. I mean, I, I think BC showed me enough against Calgary. The thing is, I just actually don't think Edmonton showed me. So it's not that game. Look, it's Montreal, Calgary. Because, like, the most interesting storyline coming out of all of this is, is Calgary done for, like, not done, but, like, has Calgary, has Calgary fallen off? And, like, if they go 0-3 and then go into Winnipeg, you know, any betting man is going to put them at 0-4. So, that's the one. I mean, I, I actually don't think, like, a Montreal win, I don't think we learned that much about Montreal. I think we know Montreal looks like a pretty good team. But a Calgary loss, like... At some point, the hole is just so big that the, that's the story. So, right. um, and it's easy to imagine. BC wins here. You know, Winnipeg wins. Saskatchewan wins. Not only are you three games behind, um, behind you're, the, you're the playoff picture, actually. Well, I mean, that hasn't happened for so long. Like, and I, then, yeah, you're relying on a crossover when the East is actually looking pretty good. So that might not happen. I mean, this is, I'm not saying this is make or break. Of course it's not. Let's be perfectly honest. Dickinson and Bo together with Huffnagel, like, yeah, you know, pulling the strings. It's entirely possible that they reel off nine straight wins, even if they go 0 and 4. Like, it's, you know, like it's not the end of the world, but it, it, it gets a whole lot harder. Yeah, you don't want to dig yourself too much of a hole because as much as you say you're working things out and uh, these ge- these games count, right? Uh, and <laughs> the, the, we're recording these ones down. I don't remember who won any preseason games. And so these are not preseason games. These ones no. are coming in the standings and we're starting to get a sense that, okay, it's, it's a little bit, you know, what are we saying? Sphincters are tightening, tightening up a little bit here in, in Edmonton and Calgary because you can't fall too far out of this race. And then, you know, uh, with two teams going undefeated so far, it's... Well, it's and one thing I will say, like, recognizing our... I mean, I'm not going to say biases in terms of cheering for, but, like, you've covered the Stamps, I've covered the Stamps. We're obviously most interested in the Stamps on some level just because they're... That's how we spent. I've spent big chunks of our lives, but I will say, the Calgary run defense has looked particularly good. Um, and like, oh man, that Thurman and Sankey combo in the middle. So, uh, at linebacker, I think the middle of the defensive lines looked really, really good. So, I don't know that Montreal is going to beat the Stamps with Standback as the main guy. So, it is Vernon Adams Jr. is going to have to throw the ball. Um, they, they're going to need to put him under more pressure than they put Mike Riley under, especially in the first half. 
But there is a path to victory here for the Stampeders that involves basically scoring 20 points. Because I, I don't know that Montreal is going to run roughshod on roughshod, roughshed on, on the yeah. Stamps, on the Stamps the way we saw them do in, in, in week one. I just, I, I think the Stampeders defense is good enough. And a lot of the frustrations that I'm hearing from some fans are based on like one drive a game. And like, man, like every team, like most teams get scored on. well and that's the thing is maybe maybe we've gotten a little bit too used to like oh yeah well we're just gonna force a two out and out every time well no we're we should expect the offense to put together a drive and score some points that um i remember when the cfl was always you know 32 to 30 like and so i'm seeing 15 to 6 or 15 to 6 late in the game and it becomes 15 to 9 uh, that's not, that's not my CFL. I want my I want my no. CFL. Lots well, of touchdown ones. And it was all shout out to Matt Rose at Sportsnet because there came a point where like it honestly felt like like did they just not scout Brian Burnham? Like he keeps like keeps being in one on one situations. And Matt Rose was like, well, Danny, like Mike Riley has like twelve seconds on every play to find <laughs> receivers. Like and, as we both know, like you give a quarterback enough time, eventually the receivers are going to get open. Yeah. Like, the receivers will always beat the DBs given enough time, in my opinion. Um, and especially if one of those receivers is Brian Burnham. So I'm I'm not that convinced that this Stamps DB group is a disaster. I, I, I think they could be fine. And so I think it's an interesting game. Um, but as you said, it's, uh, man, you win or you lose, and the Stampers need to start winning. <laughs> uh, that is, uh, yes. Uh, I, I last covered the team that didn't make the playoffs in 2004 and we didn't expect them to make the playoffs. So uh, the Stampeders being out of the playoff picture early now, it's really early, but uh, it would just be weird that the Stamps are fighting for a playoff spot. It's not happened since 2004. uh, And that is a long period of time. They've been in the best team in the league since 2005 or sorry, 2008 when uh, John Huffnagel took over as head coach and GM and for them not to be, you know, the gold standard is kind of, you know, it's, it's shocking, but I think, I don't think it's too early to write them off, but it's really interesting that them fighting for the playoffs uh, for a playoff spot would be such a storyline that you haven't had to deal with, obviously, because you're, you're just like, okay, they're going to be in the West final. Are they going to great cup? Well, two years ago, they didn't get to the West final. They got to, they hosted the – they were second but, in that. But you, you, expect, you expected them – you know, it was it was whether or not they're going to Grey Cup, not whether or not they're going to the playoffs. And, like, I recognize that they're, this is probably frustrating for anyone who cheers for another team. But the reality is, as a beat reporter, like, the West semifinal comes in. It's, like, minus 35. That was a weird minus 35, too. Like, you know how in Calgary minus 35 can mean a number of different things? <laughs> that was, like, a bad minus 35. And, you, like, credit to the Bombers for being able to deal with it. But you do – you don't toss that game out. But you don't get too stressed about losing a playoff game as a beat reporter. You don't say this yeah. says anything about the organization or about the team or about the quarterback. It's hard to play in those conditions. And what was interesting was post game. Dave said, Dave Dickinson said – he was like, look, I'm not going to say that it's unexpected that we're struggling coming out of the gate. We do have a lot of moving pieces. We have a lot of young players. We're not a veteran group. He's like, what I didn't expect was the self-inflicted wounds. Right. And 
so then I asked him, I said, wait, well, like, what do you do with penalties? Like, what do you do with procedure penalties with offsides? It's like, that just sort of seems like something that like, I mean, I guess you can work on your timing and practice and you can do all that. But like, as an individual player, you just have to not go offside. And he used right. the word perplexing. Um, and he was like, it's perplexing. And he's like, and in my opinion, it's mostly just discipline and it's personal responsibility on the players. So they've got to do that or they just have to improve there. And it's still hard for me to look at the Stan Peters team and not like, I just, it's impossible. I just have, I don't think Bo's going to throw four interceptions next week. I don't, well, I don't think he's going to have another four interception game in his career, let alone this year. You, you just don't expect that type of thing. Um, but you, you know, and it's just perplexing is what I, what I thought when the returner brings the missed field goal to out to the one yard line, right? It's it was like, okay, well, these this team is just making some almost like rookie mistakes, but and that uh, is a rookie in his first game. Let's yeah, as Dave said, he was like, we all know that was a mistake. What do you want me to say? He yes, was, he was like, it's only it's hard for me to get too mad at a guy. Like clearly, the moment got to him, he forgot the rule basically. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I love the the shot on the sidelines of special teams coordinator Mark Killam just shaking his head, going, "Oh, <laughs> I, I I was sure I told him not to do that." <laughs> and Mark's been around this game a long time, and he's just like, "Oh, all right, I gotta reiterate to this guy what what exactly he's supposed to do on that play." Like, and he's like, "Oh, I saw a hole." It was like, "You saw a hole up the middle of the field with the entire." Uh, coverage coming down on you? Uh, oh. Yeah, you probably didn't. But what do you do? It's and also it's, like in the CFL, the holes are never down the middle, are they? Like on kick no. the field's so big, the holes are on the outside, so you didn't yes. see a hole. <laughs> go up, go, go up the outside. Yeah, Bashar Levingston would always like run around the back of the. There's a classic play of him taking that missed field goal. He's running around the back of the end zone, and then he's like, "Oh wait, nobody's on this side." And poor Randy Chevrier is trying to catch him. He's like, "Well, you're not going to catch him." He's he goes 128 yards to. For the touchdown, uh, that was a game I covered um, back when you know, back in the mid two thousands. Wow, it's I've been around a long time too. The uh, the other game that I uh, would like to to look at Winnipeg versus Toronto. Winnipeg's got to go on the road now, uh, and Toronto. You you have always been totally Nick Arbuckle fan club. You're the leader of the Nick Ar- Arbuckle fan. Club. Okay, okay now. Uh, well, I'm like, it's not without justice. He did pretty well in 2019, and then he was getting his own team in Ottawa, and then turned out he was getting his own team in Toronto. Uh, do you? What do you think of the the way that game is shaping up? Winnipeg's defense. Let's be honest. In 2019, uh, the offense got a lot of publicity. Uh, Caleros and Andrew Harris were. Uh, pretty good over that stretch, but it was their defense that really won them that great cup. That those three playoff games, uh, they allowed. Well, I don't know what how many how many points Calgary scored, but it wasn't many. They only allowed thirteen in the uh, West Final, and then what was it, eight or ten or something in the Great Cup? I, it was over by halftime. Uh, their defense is just stifling, so that's going to be a good challenge for. Do you think Arbuckle comes back with the start there, or are they going to go back to Bethel McLeod Thompson? So my opinion on that is this. I I am not a football coach. I understand that you feel the quarterback who is going to win you the game, right? Like that's all, whichever quarterback gives you the best chance. My thing is like, it's not like we don't know what McLeod Bethel Thompson is. He's been around for a couple of years. 
the ceiling is higher on Nick Arbuckle. So I just don't understand not rolling with the quarterback who it's not a gamble. You know what Nick Arbuckle's done. You've seen him. Let him run the offense. Give him this opportunity. I don't think you're going to win a great cup with McLeod Bethel Thompson. Like you're just not. And you brought in all these veteran guys. If Nick Arbuckle might give you a better chance of winning a great cup, you got to be starting him. You brought him in to be your starter. I, I recognize that there's politics at play. Bethel Thompson took way more, way more snaps in training camp, and you have to reward that. You know, this is not a bully by Mitchell situation where he doesn't have to do anything. Um, but the question is, if you think that your ceiling is higher with Nick Arbuckle, it's sorry, Bethel Thompson. Like, you came in knowing you were probably going to be the backup. This is where you're sitting until Arbuckle loses the job. And I think that we saw with Dinwiddie, I mean, we saw that Bethel Thompson was on a short lease. When he didn't produce, Arbuckle was right in. But I think you need to give a longer leash to Arbuckle and just get him in there and and start playing. My issue is going to be, as you mentioned it, I mean, the team with the best defensive line is typically the best team in the league. Let's, let's be totally honest. <laughs> and uh, I, I watched Arbuckle. I don't, I'm sure he's worked on it, but he wasn't the best at moving around the pocket and avoiding uh, sacks. So putting a quarterback like that in his first start in two years, and it probably has been two years, maybe a week or two less, um, putting a quarterback in that situation against that Winnipeg line might be an issue. It might not, it might not go great, but Nick Arbuckle should be the starter of this Toronto Argonauts team until he loses the job. Yeah. Uh, what do you make? So how are, um, how are things going with the restrictions that the CFL has put on the players and uh, the teams? Um, what have you, like, what's, what's the situation there? Because it, we're, they're finally going back and they're finally going to have an East, um, East division home game uh, coming up this week with Toronto. Uh, is it, is it full capacity there? Um, I haven't paid attention enough to that. Uh, I just want to get your thoughts on, because it seemed like before the season started, there was a lot of players that were, upset with all the restrictions and some players decided not to play this year, which uh, you can completely understand um, based on, well, you can't go out and you see your friends or have your regular life. If you're playing in the CFL, which seemed like a little bit, but it, is it loosened at all? What, what, what's the situation going on? So my understanding is for players, basically this week, if you're vaccinated, the, the restrictions loosen, you're allowed to, go to restaurants, do, do that sort of stuff. Um, I've been pretty open that I, particularly for vaccinated players, I, I thought that was ridiculous from the start. Uh, I think that, like, understandably, these restrictions were, like, an agreement with health authorities that were written in the winter. I just didn't think that they necessarily reflected July, the current, the, the yeah. current reality, although we all know where we are and we know what this provincial government's done and the numbers are going right back up. Um which isn't great, but um, so yeah, so there's that. I, I actually don't, I, I should have looked it up. I, I don't know. I know that like there are, it is not full capacity at any of the Eastern stadiums as far as I understand. I, I honestly tried looking it up while you were asking me the questions and I couldn't <laughs> find it immediately. Yeah. Well, I would, let's be honest. It's never full capacity in Toronto anyway. I, it's uh, not a, it's not a concern. And like, yeah. um, and I mean, I know like 
most of the eastern provinces are going to have vaccine passports coming in pretty quick here. So, you know, you're going to need to be vaccinated to, to be in the stands. I, I'm, I need to be vaccinated to be in the Winnipeg to cover the game in Winnipeg, uh, which right. I obviously am, but I don't have proof of it. So I'm trying to figure that out. Um, but yeah, but you, didn't keep your, you didn't keep your little form. Is that not the... I have a little form, but I kept it in my back. You know me. I, I put it in my backpack. <laughs> so <laughs> I put it in... <laughs> It's been soiled by kombucha or something, or yeah, like something like that. Um, <laughs> I, I do. I I don't have it right. It's a mess, but literally, I don't know. No one's going to be interested in this, but I'm just my health card is faded, so I can't find the number, so I can't log into the My Alberta Health stuff <laughs> to get proof. So I just I just need to go to and like I've tried with oh. Alberta Health Services. I was on the phone for three hours, couldn't get through this week, so I I have to figure that all out. But yeah, I mean. We're we're gonna get back to like for players. I think stuff's about to get a lot easier. Um, I I don't think anyone cares about media restrictions, but I'm I'm really hoping that it it does loosen up for us a little bit. Um, you haven't done a face to face interview yet, have you? No, and like it kills me. Um, it kills me. Um, it it's so much harder doing this stuff on zoom and like particularly when they're winning you could probably do it on zoom and it would have no difference whatsoever but like when they're losing and they don't know who you are they can't see your body language they can't see that they can trust you not to just absolutely savage them like it's, <laughs> it is a little harder and when tsn is just literally just recording all your things and tossing them up online without doing the actual work uh it's a little frustrating to be on zoom anyways um but yeah i mean i i think that i don't think for fans in calgary or in saskatchewan or in edmonton you're gonna see a huge amount of difference in terms of like i, I think that we are where we are um but yeah I, I, the, for the players it's about to get a lot better and a lot easier um and like they should be able to socialize they should yeah. like like these guys they're coming up here playing playing our game they, they they should be allowed to see each other and and have a bite to eat at a restaurant and and do all that. So I'm I'm pleased that I'm pleased that it's happening. Um, I don't think that when it comes to the COVID outbreaks and this Delta variant and all that, I don't think CFL players are at the root of what's wrong here. No. Um, so look, let's let them have fun. Yeah, and they're high performance athletes that like you should be able to be able to go down and. Well, and I, I've seen a couple of players on my day job and it's like, yeah, it, it, you should be able to go and I won't name names, obviously, but they should be able to go out and, you know, uh, have the benefits of everything else that we, we all do here in Saskatchewan or in Alberta. Uh, the one thing that you mentioned was like, if you're outside of Alberta, you don't know this, but your health card is like a piece of paper and <laughs> everyone's health card is a ratty piece of paper right now and i've got three of them because i've got two children in my wallet and i pulled them out very delicately and we're like okay well, so i but i can't believe you can't even read your number jeez Danny. and like to be clear no, that's not that's not me being irresponsible there are many things in my life including the fact that my proof of vaccination is basically destroyed that that is my fault this one like i'm considering when i go to get my new one like you know those the plastic things that like you used to put baseball cards in. Yeah. I'm considering getting trying to get one of those because like this is like. My well, I don't know why they don't laminate them for us, but it's, oh, a, it's I, a weird Alberta thing. So and like, look, I don't know that we need the full Ontario like basically driver's license health card. Like that. Yeah. I don't know that we need that, 
but I mean, if anyone wants to go to the doctor and pretend to be me, I don't know why you'd do that. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they would be, they would basically tell you to stop smoking. Uh, <laughs> Shut up, Liam. Which everyone has done in your entire life. So <laughs> I don't want to talk about this anymore. Uh, uh, but yes, I, yeah, I, Alberta health guards are hilarious and like mine is a mess and I really hope they can cover the game in Winnipeg uh, but I'm having <laughs> trouble finding solutions here um, okay well you've got a week to figure it out hopefully you can get into the stadium um, your media credentials don't get you very far if you don't have a vaccination card so the thing is that we have like all you have to do is log in and you can get your vaccination record so I think that's right. all I need is the like my Alberta health on my phone and I can show it. But, like, well, you, guys, why don't we have vaccine passports? Like, it's so easy. <laughs> well, it would it, – basically, uh, the, the funny thing about vaccine passports and the controversy over it, it was like, you if you've never traveled internationally, you have to have these vaccines done. Like, it's it's stuff. That's it, just regular stuff. Like, I, I don't – why this is any different, it's not. So, uh, you don't want to get the vaccine, fine. Uh, stay in your neighborhood and you're like, nobody's going to bother you then. So I think we can both agree that the politicization of COVID went great. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. So this isn't a politics podcast. Uh, yeah. And I'm glad we can laugh about this uh, the last year and a half that we've gone through uh, and everything. Uh, CFL wise though, I'm, I'm super happy the league is back and every Thursday you start getting ramped up and then Thursday came, well, I don't know why it just felt like it was like, Oh wow, it's Thursday. There's games. Wow. Yeah. And then it's going to be games every night, the rest of the weekend. And, uh, I've been enjoying the action despite the lack of real intense stuff this week. Yeah. There was, it was just nice to have games back and yeah. nice to have that back in our lives as part of a routine. Right. And, like, it is not a bad thing that Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver all look like they could be at least decent. Like, yeah, I, I know attendance is down across the league. I know all uh, scoring's down. But, like, that's one of my takeaways is, like, Vancouver or BC, like, looked pretty good. And, like, man, it's been so long since all three of those teams were competitive at vaguely the same time. That like right. that's like that's something if you want to talk about the growth of this league, like nothing could be more important than those three teams actually being competitive. Well, I've heard always like, oh well, what does Montreal and Toronto and Vancouver need to do to get people interested to go to the games? Well, winning is the thing. Like it's a, winning, it's a lie that the Montreal attendance, like con, like the concern trolling that people do is a lie. If you've ever been there when that team is good, late in yeah. like September, right. October. One of the best places to watch a football game in the whole country. The fans are nuts. It's a younger audience because, like, I, I and I don't know why, but I was there for a Calgary Montreal game and, like, absolutely just bonkers. It was just so much fun. And the fans, like, were all holding their cell phones up, which was completely unprompted. It's, it's actually a, a Quebec is a great football market. You just, Montreal doesn't like a loser. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and they've been doing a lot of that since Anthony Kelvio retired. Uh, when I covered the team, it was, uh, they were the class of the East Division because Calvillo and Cahoon and uh, that group over there was um, always solid, and they were always in the Grey Cup. Um, and I think they got, I think they got a little bit uh, spoiled by it. And uh, once they increased the capacity of that uh, little stadium there at uh, McGill, uh, it was, um, it was kind of 
did a detriment to them because it was like they never had a ticket to sell. They were, you know, hundred and some straight sellouts because they had 20,000 people in the stands, but it was the atmosphere that everybody was excited about. And then they increased it uh, by 5,000 almost. And then it suddenly was like, oh, well, you can get tickets. Oh my God, I don't know if I want to go now. Well, uh, they just they just need some winning um, to solve the problems there. And then Toronto has always been, uh, they'll support the winner, but um, if you're not winning, then they don't really, it's yeah. not a big part of the market there. But Again, there's been so much ink spilled on what's wrong with that Toronto market, and I don't need to go into it. But I will say just the issue in Montreal is different from the issue in Toronto. And like that's like that's fundamental. Toronto, there's a lot of entertainment options. They don't seem to show up for the Argos. And the other thing is sometimes Calgary rolls into Toronto and I got friends being like, hey, we'd love to check it out. And I check how many tickets are sold. And I'm like, oh, if you show up and there's 8,000 people in this stadium, you're never coming right. again. Yeah. So like the people who do go and are like testing it out for the first time, it's such a depressing atmosphere that they might not want to go back. So it's a chicken and egg scenario. Montreal though has been great. I have been to some really bad BC Calgary games. Um, <laughs> yeah. Where where I've been sitting in the stadium and I've been like, I'm in Vancouver. It's like 22 degrees outside and I'm on the ocean. Like I wish I wasn't here. I don't know right. why. If you don't love the CFL. You're probably not going to go to a mediocre BC game, so yeah. I get it. But I, I do think those teams being good can only be good for the CFL. And I think that honestly, Winnipeg and Saskatchewan starting strong, that can only be good for the CFL because we all know in the prairies once September hits, you don't have that much to do outside of the city. It gets cold pretty quick, so you're just going <laughs> to go to the games. And like I include Calgary and Edmonton there. Yes, obviously. Well, uh, we'll we can wrap it up there. Um, we're going to look forward to another good week. Uh, yes, that Montreal-Calgary game is the big one. Uh, Friday night football at home. Uh, weirdly, BC's playing at home on a Thursday, which is very rare for them. They were always a Friday night, Saturday night home game stuff. So That's just uh, a scheduling thing, though. It's a tough schedule. and like you got to have all the Eastern teams out here. So I exactly. think that's just all that is. Yeah. Uh, all right, Danny. Uh, we're going to... Leave it there till next week. Uh, we'll let you uh, go. And uh, everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, please uh, continue to do so. We're enjoying it. And uh, we're going to keep bringing you uh, some CFL chatter over uh, the next how many weeks? I don't know. Uh, 11 weeks. Oh, 11 weeks plus playoffs. Yes. So 14 weeks. Uh, people better get ready for the Grey Cup podcast. You and me, Grey Cup week try to record this is going to be a nightmare. Uh, yeah i'm starting to wonder how bad it is i haven't seen my schedule for december yet so i don't know if i'm going to make it to great cup um i hope to but uh, uh i'll be crashing on your floor as usual so yeah i mean assuming i go <laughs> all right yeah yeah you need the calgary stampeders to get their stuff together so uh, i'd probably go anyways just because it's close to home yeah and All probably right. probably get two nights of hotels there versus the six, but yeah, right. We'll be talking okay. about that. We'll 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 make it work. We'll see what happens in September and when I find out what I'm doing in December. So, yeah. good stuff. Peace.